I think what is sometimes overlooked by the younger people, the older people still have something worth learning from. The manager's role cannot be only to just leave space, because if somebody will have the idea to fill this space, great, there's nothing else to do. But if there are no ideas and nobody's filling the space, you'll have nothing. Obviously, you cannot be jack of all trades and know everything best, but you really, really need to be able to distinguish who knows his craft and who doesn't. Even if you cannot play, you need to know the good music when you hear it. Picasso didn't paint those balls from the simplest to the most complicated. It was actually easy to make it complicated. It was very hard and took him a few years to make it simple. This is CRNA TV. My name is Hendrik Deckers. I'm here today with Krzysztof Dombrowski, who is the COO of MBank. Welcome, uh, Krzysztof. Thank you for having me. Krzysztof uh, studied computer engineering at the University of uh, Warsaw, Technology University. He has an MBA from that university uh, here in Warsaw and, and Illinois. He worked in several companies in software development. Um, he was the CTO of Allegro, who was the, let's say, the better version of eBay here in Poland. And for the last six years, he's been at MBank uh, for four years as CIO CTO and now for the last two years as Chief Operating Officer. So welcome, uh, Christoph, to this uh, conversation. Um, we are in lovely workshop here today. Uh, let's start a little bit uh, with uh, you explaining us what is MBank, uh, what, what is the bank, what does it stand for? Okay, so MBank is the digital bank in, from Poland, mm -hmm. uh, which was quite a distinct beast from the rest of the market. Mm -hmm. I actually like to say that when it started, it started around 2000 and it was just when the internet bubble was bursting. Mm -hmm. So it was the child of the internet era, uh, but started when it was already over. So uh, it was an internet startup after it was not fashionable anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it was a big disruptor of the Polish banking market because uh, it basically gave few things to the general public that they didn't have from the banks. Yep. Internet access, free uh, current account, nice deposit accounts, free debit cards for everyone, uh, and basically democratize access to the, to the banking for everybody, mm -hmm. uh, and gave most of the services for free, which if you go through it, looks like the typical FinTech playbook right now, so MBank was the fintech before this word was even created. Yep. So to sum it up, internet startup when it was not fashionable anymore, fintech before it was even named. So uh, Krzysztof, you're the chief operating officer uh, at MBank. Could you explain a little bit your responsibilities? In MBank, the chief operating officer is overseeing security, mm -hmm. back office operations and IT. Yeah, okay. And so let's talk a little bit about the programs that you've, uh, that you've run at, uh, at MBank. You have done uh, quite a transformation of the operations. Can you talk about that? Of course. So when I took over the management of the operations two years ago, uh, I thought I would try to marry uh, those two words. So I would try to marry the, the knowledge from the people of operations with all of the background that I brought from the IT world. Mm -hmm. 
And this, I think, is a successful marriage because both sides had uh, something very tangible to offer. So from the operations world, uh, I took the approach to the measurement. I changed it slightly because I thought that the way we were communicating our measurements was not really understandable for the, for the business colleagues. Uh, so, in essence, we established a new way of measuring things in operations. Uh, also, there was a bit of reorganization on the operations side because the organization itself was very fragmented. It was fragmented due to the historical reasons because it was a, let's call it, internal merger of few organizations, uh, which left some of the processes and even the culture intact. Mm -hmm. So uh, our goal was to have so-called one operations, mm -hmm. which means one organization, yep. which also meant we needed uh, one culture and one way of, of doing things, mm -hmm. which could be a challenge if you have 300 different processes to support. Uh, but I think we successfully did it, but we couldn't do it without borrowing from the IT world because what we were missing was technical support mm -hmm. to the things that we were doing. Yeah. So part of, the, of our transformation program was the introduction of the new workflow engine to the company. We used to have a workflow engine for the retail part of the bank, but there was practically nothing for the, the rest of the bank, which yeah. includes the corporate world, which includes the, any other processes that you can imagine in the, in the bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, and without the proper workflow engine, it's, it's, it's hard to optimize the, the, the things. Yeah. So workflow engine was part of it. The proper document management system was another part of the, of the, of the exercise. Mm -hmm. And we created actually the whole IT department to support operations because operations was uh, a bit of an orphan in the, in the past. Mm -hmm. So right now they, they have the, a, a proper IT supporting them, a proper set of systems. For the measurement, we also create an engine for them. There is a re all reporting around it. And on top of that, we basically we were stealing the ideas from IT uh, wherever we could. So for instance, uh, in IT, we are using Jira for managing the, the, the tasks and, uh, and, and inflow of the, of the uh, work to the IT. So we introduced Jira also to the, to the operations. Okay. In IT, we had the system for um, making a register of all of the failures that we are having. Hopefully not so many, but still we need to register it. A fail recording system. Yes. Oh, interesting. And, and uh, the, because we want also to learn from our, from our failure or incidents, etc. And majority, just to be clear, majority of the incidents are not really even visible to the customers. Uh, we, we are not obliged to report to this, uh, our supervisor that, for instance, one leg of the ORAC cluster was down mm -hmm. because everything else was working correctly, no disruption whatsoever. But from the IT perspective, it was an incident, it was an error, it was something to, to dig. So we literally took over the whole system to handle those incidents. We put it to the operations and then we use it to record every time we made a mistake in operations. Okay. Sometimes it's a human error, sometimes it's... Uh, a consequence of IT system incident, because if the IT system is misbehaving, we cannot do the, the, the work. So basically by taking all of the best from operations, putting new management, reorganizing the, the whole thing and adding quite a bit of either new technology or ideas uh, 
stolen from from the IT. Yeah. And by the way, I find it a bit ironic because uh, IT stole this idea from the production world from the past. So it's almost like ma making the full uh, full circle. Uh, but yeah, because of that, uh, we could have it all together in our operation yeah. transformation. And could you give us a bit of context? How, how big is operations? How big is IT? How big is security? Okay, so the operations right now is around 650 FTEs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I on purpose use the word FTE because it's not only the valued people that we have, but it also includes all of the overtime, all of the temporal work, etc. So it just gives you the, the, the number. Actual amount of uh, our colleagues is slightly less than 650. Uh, the IT is around 1,000 and the security is around 60. Okay. Well, not too many CIOs uh, grow into a CEO overall. So, uh, and it's interesting that you're using your experience and your methods and your systems from IT also in, 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 in operations. Uh, so you think that um, as a CIO, CIO, you had uh, some qualities or some experience that made it possible to be successful as a CIO? Oh, I like to think so. Uh, the, uh, I, I think, I'm not even sure that this is the, the, the quality of the CIO or CTO, uh, but I have uh, the natural uh, curiosity about how the organization works. Mm -hmm. And I like to, to improve the organization, I like to improve the, the, the processes. Yep. Uh, even without using the word processes that some people uh, don't like, I, I like managing systems. Mm -hmm. Systems consist of people and, and technology in this, yep. in this case. Uh, and all of this is actually per a perfect tool to, to manage the, the operations, because in, in operations managing the, the, the processes and managing the, the people in those processes is practically everything. So I think that was the, that was the thing that, was, that could enable me being a bit successful in the operations world. But if I can also tell you one thing, uh, the people in IT should really watch this space because we are coming back at them with the ideas from operations. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, initially it was for me the time to, to bring whatever I learned in IT to the operations, but right time, the time is coming when I'm bringing back all of the stuff I learned from operations back to the IT, and trust me, there are things that IT can learn from the, from the back of its operations too. MBank has been around for 20 years. Um, it was a, a startup, you said, 20 years ago, but still, over 20 years, you build up some legacy. So let's talk about how you're dealing, even in the pretty young bank, how, you, how are you dealing with legacy? How do you, how do you manage that? So first, uh, I, I could say that our legacy has two sources. So first source is that uh, not all of our systems were created on a day zero when the M-Bank was created. Some of the systems, uh, including our core system, were bought from the, from the market and then evolved, and they already had their history. So that, that's, that's one thing. But the, the other thing is that MBank being a startup, we had our ideas, we had the times of rapid growth, and all of it happened in the world of very rapidly changing technology. So the things that we thought are modern and vogue and up to the task mm -hmm. in 2001 were not so in 2006. 
or 2008 and later on. So, so MBank already was through few technological changes. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them were quite visible to the, to the customers, for instance, that uh, after the let's so-called, we call it right now old MBank, but it used to be, let's say, the, the first MBank, mm -hmm. uh, came the, what we call the new MBank, yeah. and right now we are doing the version three of it, which is the even more modern version of the, of the, of the user interface. Uh, and as you can see, this is already about dealing with the, with the legacy. Mm -hmm. But if in all of the startups of this world, I think people prioritize growth over perfection. Yeah. So trust me, even for us, we did probably the bare minimum necessary to move the product forward. And you know, sometimes you cut the corners just to meet the deadline, just to be faster for the, for the customer. And initially, it's not a bit, such a big deal, mm -hmm. but over time, it tends to accumulate. Yeah. So from time to time, you, you need to do a bit of house cleaning. Yeah. And uh, so that, those two aspects, uh, rapid growth, changes of the technology, but also the inheritance that we had on a, on a day zero, yeah. these are the two primary reasons of us, 20 years old company, already having a, a legacy. And what does it mean? Are you getting rid of your mainframe or...? Um... Uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think when we, when we look, because you probably heard a lot about our innovations in the customer space, because this is very visible. Yeah. Everybody could see it. We, we, we won multiple awards for it uh, and we are pr rightfully proud of what, yeah. we, what we did. Uh, the things that I'm going to talk today are the things that normally our customers do not see. Uh, but because of our audience, the CIOs of this, of this world, this might be of, of relevance. So uh, one of the most important systems in every bank is the core system. And the core system has this nice or not nice property that everything revolves around it. So. Once you deploy a core system, once you put all of the supporting system around, once you put all of the user interfaces, all of the reporting, everything that you really need to run the proper bank, mm -hmm. suddenly you realize that it's very, very hard to replace it. Because replacing such a core system either means that you have to re replace everything else or at least significantly re-implement everything else, or you are creating some kind of translation layer to make the new system appear like the old system, which adds complexity, adds cost, and at certain, to a certain degree defies the whole reason of changing the core if the new core has to pretend it's the old core. Uh, so we were thinking, how, how can we go around the, the problem? And part of our problem was that functionality-wise, we are pretty happy with what we have. So we are not complaining that our core system is lacking features. We are a large software house. We are evolving it on our own. So whenever we need a feature, we, have a, we, we develop a feature and it's there. So that's not the, that's not the, the, the reason. Uh, but part of the problem with our retail core was that it, it runs on mainframe, which is the cost part of the equation, but it also it's written in COBOL, which means lack of new talent on the market. Uh, and we have to basically live with this situation. We cannot really convince any of the technical university to run the full COBOL course for us. They don't do it anymore. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the young generation of developers are not 
so keen in, in learning a technology that they don't think is very marketable outside of the banking context. Even though you can get some good fees nowadays with the Cabal expertise? Of course you can, but you know, uh, these are us old people talking about the rational choices, but you know, people also have want to have some fun in life and the fun is to develop in all those modern technologies and languages, that's, that's, that's what they want. Uh, so we try to give to them what they what they want uh, and at the same time we don't want to re-implement the whole bank because this would kill us on the on the on the cost basis so our idea for the for the mainframe part was we are working with uh, uh, let's say a small small compiler boutique company uh, that is helping us running the whole program and they created a very good compiler that basically takes the COBOL source code and emits a .NET bytecode. Okay. And uh, we work with them for the last few years already. Mm -hmm. uh, we fine-tuned the, the product, the compiler, to work with our code base mm -hmm. because our approach to the problem was that we do not want to stop the world. We do not want to interrupt our business growth. So we wanted to have the same source code base run on the mainframe and run on the Windows. .NET platform. Okay. Yeah. So we were, rather than basically changing our core to work with the compiler, we, find, we found a good partner in the Raincode company mm -hmm. to modify the compiler to run with our code. Okay. So that's why it took a bit of time because it was an iterative uh, process. But right now we do have a, a, a working system. And I understand that's a Belgian company, no? Yes, that's a company from Belgium, and uh, and, and and they they really know what they are doing. So 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 we we really enjoy our uh, collaboration, and we have a running system uh, that basically does exactly the same as our mainframe system, but in the .NET platform. But now on .NET, okay. Now on .NET platform. And so that makes it very flexible, and 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 so you can get rid of the mainframe and save a lot of cost. Then. Yes, uh, cost is very important part, which basically it's financing the whole project. But there are two more very, very nice things. First, the, let's use the fashionable uh, argument is that, but it's also rational, not only fashionable. Uh, once we migrate to uh, the Windows world, we can run in the cloud. Mm -hmm. okay. Currently, we are forced to run in a centralized uh, architecture no. because of the, of the mainframe. We could forget about the cloud. Because we didn't want to have a very big bank migration, we created the technology that will enable us to run our new system side by side with the old system mm -hmm. and migrate per customer, even per customer. Which basically means that we created a mechanism for horizontal scalability. And that's why I'm saying we could run it on the cloud, because after the migration, I don't, don't need one large mainframe scale Intel box to run my system. I actually can run a large cluster of the system, which gives me very good And that would be your, your goal, that that's, you can that's our run your complete uh, infrastructure in, in the cloud? Over time, maybe yes. I'm saying maybe because it's not always that the, the cost uh, equation is working for us with the, with the current cloud offering. Uh, but for sure, majority of the, of the loads can be moved to the cloud. And actually, from the banking perspective, if you cannot move the, the core and everything around it, mm -hmm. 
you just end up with moving peripheral stuff. And okay, we, we can move the peripheral stuff. Yeah. We can have a nice interview and I could tell you how cloud uh, enabled we are and everybody will agree. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's up to our ambition. So if, if we are going to say that we are really a, a cloud company, yeah. our core has to run in the cloud yeah. and it will be. And so your core has served you for the last 20 years. Yes. And so you're convinced now that with this migration, let's say you're ready for the next 20 years or how do you we look at that? We think so because of the second property of the technology that we develop is that in the new world, we are going to be able to mix and match any .NET code with the COBOL code. Okay. So suddenly we can gradually convert our system to more modern programming languages, mm -hmm. or we can stick with the COBOL when we want to stick with the, with the yeah. COBOL. Uh, and we are not forced to, to massively invest in rewriting the old code that we don't need to change. Mm -hmm. And all of the new stuff can be already developed in C-sharp, for instance, or whatever else, uh, you know, language you Will can come choose. up in, oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. So I think that's, the, that's really, from us, a massive opening up of our choices and of the platform. Is this something that other banks are, are, are doing in similar ways, or are you... Uh, on the forefront of this, this kind of uh, transformation, let's say. I wouldn't like to say that we are the first one because it wouldn't be true. I think we are the second one, uh, but uh, the systems uh, on the mainframe tend to be very particular to the organization. So th there was one company that did it in Denmark that we also uh, we were also in touch with them. Yeah. Uh, but their technical environment is slightly different than us, so we had to to, to create a new compiler yeah. and the patch processing is way easier than ours. And I'm not saying this to, 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 to boast, I've actually, I, I envy them that mm -hmm. the they, they batch processing was much more organized than, than, than ours, which yeah. meant it was easier to, to, to convert. Yeah. Uh, our batch processing is much, much more uh, complicated and challenging. So uh, we are in a very small club, uh, I would say, but I think once we are done with it, uh, there will be more organization with the, uh, with the appetite. So there will be many CIOs that will contact you uh, to learn how you've done this, I, I can imagine. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Especially after this interview. <laughs> so about getting rid of legacy, mm -hmm. uh, what other projects are you running? Okay. So the other project that we are running is that, surprise, surprise, it's not our only core system that we have, because we have the other core for the corporate system. Okay, corporate banking. Corporate banking, yes. And uh, it's a completely different technology. It's created by the company named Temenos. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't believe it's even supported by Temenos anymore, because they moved forward with the product and we stayed with the older version. Yeah. Uh, and we even bought the source code from them. So in our tradition of being the software house, we, uh, we took it on our shoulders and we uh, developed it. Mm -hmm. And again, we were blocked by the cost of replacing it. Because replacing it would mean replacing the corporate bank or re-implementing the, the corporate bank. We were not ready to do so. Uh, so we already had some lessons from the uh, retail part replatforming. Uh, so we thought, okay, let's do it in a similar but slightly different way. Mm -hmm. Okay, the challenge is slightly smaller because the system runs uh, not on mainframe, it runs on the IBM Unix power systems. 
which is a bit more similar to the, uh, let's say, Linux or, or, or Microsoft world. So the, the whole migration uh, will, be, will be easier. But we also took a different approach. So the approach we took right here is we are not creating a compiler. We are creating a translator. Okay. Because the whole the Temenos system was written in JBasic, which is a proprietary language of Temenos company. Mm -hmm. uh, and together with the same company we use for the for the mainframe replatforming, but I guess with much more uh, input and, and uh, ideas and, and labor of our own people, mm -hmm. uh, we, are, we are creating a translator that will take JBasic and spit out the C-sharp. Okay, cool. But from now on, we will just cut off all of the ties to the old technology mm -hmm. and not like with the, with the COBOL, where we still have COBOL after the replatforming. Here we will, from certain day in time, we will just have a C-sharp code. And that works, this translation? It works, so we have... Uh, uh, the, the translator, the translator is quite advanced. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, uh, I would say, majority of the code is working right now. There is a bit of the work, uh, especially on the batch processing side, and also there was some C++ legacy code that was also done by us and intermixed with the with the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So we need to convert this C++ to work with the let's say new platform that we are creating. Yeah. But uh, I think this if Fingers crossed, uh, we should be able to finish both of the projects at exactly the same time and be free of our legacy. Okay, that would be, that would be great if you're in that situation because then you can invest more in, in new stuff and, and, exactly. and, and, and further new functionalities and, uh, and, and give better service to your clients, different clients and so on. So you're replatforming, you've replatformed the retail bank, you're replatforming the corporate bank. Yeah. Um, how, apart from these two, I can imagine, big projects, how is IT organized uh, today in MBank? Mm -hmm. So our IT, maybe it's not very complicated. We are organized around our business. Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't have, uh, sometimes there is a traditional functional division of the, of the labor. In our case, the only division of the labor, functional division of the labor is between the operations side, IT operations side and the development. Mm -hmm. So the whole development is organized uh, around the business or around the, the, the business lines, the yeah. customer in this case, and they do directly work with the business. We try to work in an agile mode mm -hmm. uh, using different methodologies on the ground, on the team level, it would be Scrum, but uh, on the higher level, we are experimenting how to run a larger organization uh, in an agile way. Uh, but we also adjust to the business uh, that we are working with. So some of them are much more advanced in, in agile adoption. Some of them are much less advanced. Some of them basically are so heavily regulated that uh, on top of our normal development we have the very 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 heavy uh, reporting and uh, paper trail let's say requirements to to do so yeah. so it's a bit of like a full spectrum we are navigating the whole organization towards the agile and by agile i also mean the modern engineering practices mm -hmm. devops you could call it that could that enable it uh, but as I said, we are on a different level of advancement and that's why having this organization slightly fragmented from, the, from this perspective, oriented towards the business, is helping us yeah. to having, let's say, different speeds uh, in different areas of the organization. And we have the more traditional IT operations 
uh, team yeah. that internally is also divided towards the business lines, at least part of them. Yeah. But basically, they make sure that the, uh, the, the lights are on. So let's talk a bit about Agile and, uh, and how you, um, and you say uh, you have your teams organized uh, according to the business units, the business lines. So how have you implemented Agile? Is this something that you've been working on for a long time? And is it just the IT part or is it, is it also working with the business in an Agile way? How does that work? Okay, so one thing, it is difficult because it's changing the, the way people work or the way people think about work and the way people were uh, thought uh, by predece my predecessors, let's say, how, how the work should be, should be done. And the implementation is very different depending on which part of the business we are talking about. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just can give you some of the uh, examples because it's by no means it's, it's unified because we, we have to adapt to the, um, to the way our business work. Mm -hmm. On one hand, on the retail side, we reorganize practically the whole way the retail is uh, operating when it comes to the software development. Yeah. And I think we are already on our second round at least of these organizations. Mm -hmm. And the retail is organizing themselves around the, what we call the boxes, uh, that group the functionalities or the group the part of the, of the business features that they are responsible for. Yeah. And we, as IT, we tend to organize around those boxes. Yeah. Of course, you have the issue of what I call it the impedancy mismatch because business can be infinitely creative when it comes to how to structure themselves versus the market mm -hmm. and that's okay they have almost full flexibility yeah it on the other hand we have the physical reality of the systems so there are certain things that we can do mm -hmm. and certain things that we okay maybe we can do but if there is supposed to be somebody to run the card processing module it would be better for them if there is one business counterpart for them and not three different. So there is this dialogue and it's not even the only talking, it's more like empirical dialogue. When we give it a try, we see what works, what doesn't, and then we adjust the organization just to make sure that we can go as close as we can to your typical you know, stereotype of the agile when you have the product responsibility and the dedicated team that yeah. evolves this, this product. On the other side, for instance, in the corporate world where we were uh, starting more from the project-driven organization, this is where we're creating, the, let's say, islands of agile mm -hmm. whenever it brings most of the value. So one of the examples is what the current head of the corporate business, he really wanted to work in a smaller chunks. I, as IT guy, I would say in an incremental way. Yeah, good. Which is good for us. So uh, suddenly we started to break the big projects into smaller projects. Mm -hmm. And one example was actually the introduction of the workflow engine to the corporate world. When we said, okay, we will, we will go process by process and we will not make a big chunk of it. We will just take one process, user interface to the client, collect the feedback, reapply the lessons, and so on and so on. Yeah. And initially it was very painful because everybody had to wait, I don't know, at least 
half a year to get the first results because we were implementing the new platform. Mm -hmm. And implementing the new platform brings all of the problems of the new platforms, all of the integration, etc. But because we had the strong support from the business and they really wanted to work in the, in the new way, right now we are in the way that every month one, two, three more processes are going live to the production and they already got used to it. So now going back to, hey, let's have a two years long project to have all of this digitized would be a no-go. Yeah, and at the same time, I still have a places where I really work like a waterfall when I have very strong specification, when I have very strong regression testing, when I have the approvals, signature, etc. And that would be my most strongly regulated parts of the business when people can go to jail if they don't do the things right. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, the hard part is we have everything, the full spectrum. Let's talk a bit about the role of, of CIO, CTO in, 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 in a bank. Uh, you've you've uh, been a CIO, CTO in, uh, until two years ago. It's still under your responsibility. How do you, do you see today the fundamental role of a CIO, CTO? I think the fundamental role in the modern organization is that your CTO should really understand the business to the point of being on par with the business folks. He might not have the sales instinct, he might not uh, you know, fully understand how to really make money, but he really needs to know the business in and out in order to be able to generate the ideas how to run the business in a modern way. Yeah. The current CTO cannot expect that somebody will tell him or her what they need, what they expect. Current CTO should be able to, based on business ideas or wishes or like, you know, moonshots, be able to generate the approaches, the system approaches, or even the product ideas, and then it should be able to make them happen. Mm -hmm. And my personal experience is that uh, IT people had a lot of, in the, at least in the last 20 years, had a lot of self-reflection how we should run our business, how we should uh, run software development, tons of publications, tons of analysis, tons of benchmarks, and people are really, really thinking, asking those questions. And frankly speaking, I see a bit less of it on the business side mm -hmm. because the focus is somewhere else on the, on the business side. So I think what, what IT can bring uh, to, the, to, to the business or CTO can bring to the business is this knowledge about the processes, about managing product-driven organization and they can be a bit of a teacher of it, how to, how to make the, the, the clock tick. Interesting in, in, in your parcours, let's say, is that you joined only a bank six years ago and before yes. you were in different businesses. How long did it take you to really grasp what, how a bank works? Mm, tough question. I think after two years it was okay. After two years it was okay. I mean, I'm not sure how much of it is coming from the bank itself mm -hmm. and how much of it is coming from the fact that it's just a large organization yeah. which a lot of internal complexity, a lot of systems, a lot of people, a yeah. lot of history. Uh, so I, I, I don't want to be the judge to say it's two years to grasp the bank. I think two years to fully grasp 
decent sized organization is an okay estimate. Okay. Now you run three organizations, security operations and, and, and IT. Uh, so you, you, you build a lot of teams. So what is your management style and, and what is the, the style that you want your managers to have in, 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 in the bank? How do you build teams and how do you make them successful? Okay, so when it comes to the, to the style, I think I try to leave as much space as possible for the people. Uh, I do expect them to have very strong domain knowledge and come up with the ideas. Because the manager's role cannot be only to just leave space. Because if somebody will have the idea to fill this space, great, there is nothing else to do. Yeah. But if there are no ideas and nobody is filling the space, then if your only competence is creating space, you will have space, you will have, which means you have nothing. So, so I think the, the, my, my style would be that I do generate the ideas, mm -hmm. I try to have the, the best vision possible in a situation, and I try to leave as much space for people as possible. And then it's a bit of like, 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 uh, like a pendulum, maybe. If there is too much space, mm -hmm. I tend to go in. If there's not so much of empty space, but a lot of ideas and things are flourishing, yeah. I, go, I go back. Yeah? And uh, because things change, the business flows, etc., it, it really looks like this pendulum. It's never, it's never constant, mm -hmm. uh, but also it's coming from my side. I need to be alerted about the changes uh, in the business, in the technology, yeah. in order to be able to fill the space if, if necessary. And when I also created the space for people to, to, to do things, uh, I put a lot of trust in people. Uh, and uh, I think that's what you should do as a manager. Mm -hmm. You should trust them, you should believe in them, you know, that they have it in them, and you, you support them the best way you could. Mm -hmm. So if they need something, when they ask something, I try to do my best sometimes to stand on my head to get things done for them mm -hmm. in order to enable them to get things done for the organization. Yeah. So I think that the last thing is that you, you I think I care about people. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's probably a competence or whatever you call it. I also expect from, from, from my managers because if you care about the people, a lot of other things will naturally come out of it. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean caring about people? How, how do you do that? How do you show that? What is the, how do you implement that? I think I like to show them that their problems are my problems. Mm -hmm. I want them to be independent as much as possible and come with the ideas. But if they are stuck, I will be there mm -hmm. to help them. I also want them to remember that if Real problems happen. I'm also there for them, mm -hmm. and it also shows in some daily stuff. Mm -hmm. If uh, if somebody is coming and needs your time, I do my best to have this time, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't believe there is very big magic in, in it. And uh, you know, maybe the best definition of of somebody who 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 cares about the people is that you know the people should think that I care about them. <laughs> and that's the best definition. How easy is it here in, 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 in Warsaw 
to recruit top talent because that's what you need to, uh, to, to build a modern bank. And, and, and is it easy? I mean, Mbank is a, is, is a modern, uh, younger bank. Uh, does that make it easier in, uh, to recruit uh, good people? Uh, I don't know what should be my uh, comparison, let's put it like this. Uh, so I, I, I refuse to answer the question, is it easier or, or harder? Uh, I think it's hard, yeah, in general. Uh, I, I think we might have it a bit easier than most of the banks because of uh, the way we are working and uh, let's say our, our image. And also because of the, our way of working, I mean, the culture and also the people that we already have on board. Uh, but it's by no means easy. Warsaw uh, and Łódź, because we are located in those uh, two cities and the IT is more like 50-50. Uh, the job market is not in a dramatic state, so you can find people if you, if you really try. I would be much more afraid if we were in a much more shallow uh, job market. But it's, it's, sometimes it's tough and it's sometimes tough when you're looking for people in specializing in certain, let's call it more exotic or less modern technologies. Yeah. And by exotic I mean super modern. Or super old. Or super old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with super old, you just have to train people internally. Yeah. That's your last resort. And sometimes with super modern too. When we were introducing, uh, I think, Ansible, for instance, a few years ago, we just couldn't find enough people on the market. So we had to train our internal staff to do so. And then we were watching uh, as the other players yeah. trying to poach those people from us. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if a top engineer in, in, in Poland, why would he come and work for you and not for, for a startup? Everything depends what they want in their, in their life, basically. In, in, in startup, they will have much more, uh, let's say, probably much more freedom, creative freedom, let's put it like this, but at the expense of, uh, of a job risk, because startups uh, come and go. Uh, stock options materialize or not mm -hmm. and the statistics says that uh, in most of the cases they do not uh, and the success do not materialize. Yeah. Uh, nothing, I had nothing against startups but uh, the whole nature of this business is that you know if one uh, out of ten will have a massive success that's great for the investors yeah. but it also means that nine out of ten had a failure. Yeah? Uh, so you trade uh, let's say the, 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 this risk, you, you accept this risk for maybe less formalized structure and, and a bit more of the creative freedom. What you get in the bank? Larger job security, uh, but a bit more rigid uh, environment and you will not be able to choose any technology that comes uh, to your mind. At the same time, I think what is sometimes overlooked by, by the, the, the younger people, the older people among us still have something worth learning from. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you join such organization as a bank, you will meet a bit more of the more seasoned engineers that you would uh, meet in the startups. And that's a perfect place to, to learn. Do you have a strategy of working together with startups and, and, and innovating together with them? We do have such a strategy. We have our own startup incubator, mm -hmm. uh, which is called M Accelerator, mm -hmm. and we tend to invest in the companies that are uh, either complementary to our offerings or in the companies when we think that 
co cooperating with the M bank like us can help them bootstrap. So we could be the first uh, big customer. So that, that's, that's our approach. Let's talk a bit about your leadership style okay. and, and, and maybe start with, well, what do you think people say about you when you're not around? How do you think they perceive you as a leader? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, I hope at least that they think uh, what I said before, that I, I, I'm demanding uh, and I, uh, that I leave space. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that if they are not delivering me the, enough of the ideas and, uh, and, uh, and the results, I tend to get personally involved. Okay. Uh, so, depends what kind of management style you like. Some people may say it's, it's a blessing to have such a boss. Some people may say it's a, it's a curse. Good. Let's talk a bit more about your, um, what drives you as a person. I mean, we talked about your management style, about your team, about your projects, about your company, but what is it that drives you in your work? When do you go home at the end of the day, at the end of the week, and you're really happy with what you've uh, accomplished? Okay, I think I'm, I'm naturally the builder, mm -hmm. so my, I really draw a lot of satisfaction when I see things being built, mm -hmm. uh, which also means that if there was a vision, if I see the fruits of this vision in action, this is what is, yeah. is really uh, giving me at least temporary pleasure. I, I'm saying temporary because I, I, I'm, I'm never fully satisfied with what was done in the past. But when I see such a thing, I think it's going to be a good building block for another. And why are you never satisfied? I think good engineers shouldn't be <laughs> ever satisfied because it leads to complacency and you know falling in love with the with your own creation, and then you run the risk that you are, you are going to be the author of, the, of one book or the, the, the singer of one song, uh, which would be a waste. Okay. What are the, 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 the things that inspire you in your life? Are there any books, any uh, people, any mentors that you've worked with that really inspire you? I think it's hard to pinpoint at least uh, one. Uh, either person or a book. Mm -hmm. I tend to read a lot, 20-30 books a year maybe. Wow. Uh, maybe it's not... I heard that the good CEOs read more than 50, so I'm still... <laughs> so you're halfway behind. there. Uh, halfway there, <laughs> but it's, you know, you know, every year the counter starts from zero, so it's not so, it's not so easy. Uh, so I think I was inspired by the, 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 let's say, tens of books or the collection of books and I... I, I keep on reading and, and, and pick up things from, from many sources. Uh, when it comes to the, um, to, to, to the mentors on, on the professional side, I think I was, I was blessed to have quite a bit of a good managers mm -hmm. uh, on my career path. And I don't know if it's a happy accident or what, but uh, it looks like I in many cases, I had the right person at the right moment uh, in my career. So when, when I was starting, I think I had the... I, I will not mention names because I don't want anybody to be... Uh, uh, to feel like I'm excluding them from the list because the list is, is quite long. So it's just an example. So when I, when I started my, my uh, career, I think my, my manager was... On one hand, he was good at uh, technology, mm -hmm. 
But on the other hand, he was also generally caring about people. He was a good person and he was not tolerating, uh, let's say, any bad persons. And what did you learn them from, from, from that person? I learned that this, this is important, but I also learned that this creates a very good working environment. Because it's very natural that if, uh, if you are a good person, if you do not tolerate uh, certain behaviors, you will surround yourself with uh, similar-minded people. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I could see what kind of team this gentleman was building, this was the kind of team I, I like to be in. Yeah. So I, you know, that, that was for me the, the, uh, the, the first lesson, let's put it like this. And later on when I was thinking, what were my uh, feelings towards him as a, as, a, as a manager, I also thought that I would like my people to have similar feelings towards me when mm -hmm. I'm their manager, yeah. uh, which was also an, an, an inspiration. Then I met the, the, another example would be, I met the manager who was a total, uh, <laughs> total freak of personal development okay. and all of these soft skills mm -hmm. things which were kind of alien to me at that point in my life mm -hmm. uh, because I was just an engineer who was using his common sense, let's put it like this. Uh, and collaboration with, with, with this uh, gentleman uh, really took me to another level. It wasn't a long collaboration, uh, so technically speaking, I probably, probably learned uh, more when I was not working with him but he gave me that kick uh, and opened my eyes at the right moment yeah. and then the rest was just the consequence of it. So I, I see the, the, the cause and effect uh, relationship, uh, relationship uh, there. Then I was working with, uh, with a lot of brilliant uh, people, in particular one, uh, one of them uh, was a business guy who really got the IT right. I mean, collaboration with the IT uh, in, in the right way, but who also had this, what I mentioned uh, before, that uh, uh, he had, had also this knack of, for changing the organization and understanding the internal mechanics mm -hmm. of managing the larger organization, which really makes the conversation, decision-making process, and also the, the say, approaching the problems with the organization so much more easier from my perspective because we tend to read similar books, yeah. we tend to understand the similar concept and then we can either agree or disagree but on the grounds of a certain theory that we both, uh, that we both understand. So also he gave me the, the perspective how, uh, how a very good collaboration between technology and business could, could look. So I, I think that at least few of those people that, that made the last So you team. learned how to lead a team and how to be respected and, and treat a team. You learned um, that personal development is and, and, and soft skills are important and how to work with them. And you learned how to do reorganizations and, 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 and restructuring of, of, of companies. Yeah. That correct? And during this, this journey, because I still uh, consider myself uh, as an engineer, I also met some people that uh, really showed me how great engineers they are and that uh, to a certain degree I will never ever play in their league. Mm -hmm. And you know, I uh, part, I think, 
of being a good manager is you need to know the good music when you hear it. Even if you cannot play, but you need to know the good music when you hear it. You need to really understand who are your key people and how can you distinguish between somebody who knows mm -hmm. and somebody who doesn't. Yeah. Somebody who has a talent and somebody who is just uh, pretending. Yeah. And uh, obviously you cannot be jack of all trades and know everything best, yeah. but you really, really need to be able to distinguish who knows his craft yeah. and who doesn't. And I really appreciate uh, craftsmanship and I hope that I can pick the good guys from the average guys. You told me in your office you have a number of paintings from Picasso. What is it that you, what are the paintings about and what does it, what does it teach you? Okay, I think I, I stole this idea, so uh, it's, I will leave it to the watchers of this video to find out from whom I have stolen this idea, uh, but I'm not admitting that I, I, I uh, invented it, in the business context at least. Uh, Pablo Picasso, he painted a series of pictures of a bull mm -hmm. and uh, it took him a few years and the, the basic idea was that he, he wanted to get of the bare essence of bull. And he started with something that uh, was quite a detailed picture of the bull with the fur and everything you can, you can uh, imagine the bull has. Yep. And then over the years he was trying to paint the same picture with less details, but at the same time still showing you the bull. So you have to think only one millisecond and say, hey, that's a bull. Yep. Uh, so in my, uh, in my, in my room in, in the office, I picked six, I think, of those pictures and I put them in, in sequence from the most details, detailed to the least detailed. Mm -hmm. And the, the message that I try to convey is that uh, you should always aim at the core of the issue and solve it in the simplest possible manner mm -hmm. without all of the unnecessary distractions around it. And this picture basically shows it. If you want a bull, that's the bull. This is also the bull, but it took few more years to develop it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the, the, the message to the maybe aspiring engineers is that uh, the Picasso didn't paint those bulls from the simplest to the most complicated. Mm -hmm. It was actually easy to make it complicated. It was very hard and took him few years to make it simple. Yeah. And that's the core of the message. Like it's more work to, to write a short condensed email than to write a long email, right? Exactly. I didn't have the time to write you a short letter. Yes, uh, that's, 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 the same, that's the same <laughs> metaphor. Simple is hard. <laughs> Simple is hard. Very interesting. So, uh, Krzysztof, let's, um, let's talk about your family. Mm -hmm. you, have, uh, you have a family, you have two kids, they're six and twelve. What are the values that you want to uh, give to your, your children? How do, you, how do you want them to live, but what values do you want them to live? First of all, I would like them to be good people. Mm -hmm. I want them to, to respect others. I want them to be, I want them to be nice to, to others. Uh, I think there is, in general, too much violence around us these days. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they shouldn't add to it. Uh, I want them to be curious. I want them to learn a lot, as much as possible, to keep from developing. And by being able to learn a lot and developing, they should not be afraid of the world, because 
if they will stumble upon something unknown, there are ways to learn about it. Mm -hmm. People did it before, they can, they can do it too. And as much as possible, I would like them to be uh, self-sufficient, so they should be able to carry on in their life on their own, mm -hmm. without relaying much on anybody. They could, if they choose to rely on somebody, but they shouldn't be forced to rely on, no. on, on, on somebody. And I hope if they can be happy with all of those values, mm -hmm. even better. So, and are these also the core values that you live by? I like to think so. Okay. Christoph, you're successful, you were a successful CIO, CTO, now a successful COO. So you made quite a career. Um, younger people that ha have the ambition uh, to play similar roles uh, in the future, what would your advice be to them? How can they make sure that they're successful? Make sure. I don't know how can they make sure because I still think that there is a bit of a, uh, random variables in our lives. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think what I could tell them what I did in the past when, and I think it was a part of the, of the reason I am where I am. Uh, I recently met my old friend on a conference uh, and we discussed how it was when we were young and we were starting our, our careers in the companies versus what we see among the, the, the young people these days. So at that time, the, the IT profession wasn't that respected as it is right now, because it was not like everywhere. Uh, so also, if you look at our salaries at that time, they were not spectacular, let's yeah. put it like this. It was, I think, 1996. Mm -hmm. so, so, so it was even before the internet bubble that inflated uh, the, the IT salaries a bit. Uh, but we were so in love with what we were doing, you know, with technology, with, uh, with internet, because my first company was the, the internet, one of the first internet service providers uh, in Poland. So we were literally helping to build the internet in this, in this country. So I remember I, I wanted to take any job just to be in that company, because precisely I knew what they were, they were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're not really well paid. We spent a lot of time in the companies because we thought that every hour doing those things, having access to technology, etc., is the hour that helps us uh, learn something that we really care about and we're passionate about. And at the same time, we were not afraid of any challenges because the life then was full of challenges because we were building the internet in Poland. There was not really much of the internet in Poland mm -hmm. and it was before Google. It was the Alta Vista and Hotbot times. Uh, and so if you type in your question in the search box, there were chances you will get zero answers, <laughs> uh, and high chances actually. And if you typed your question in Polish, you had almost guarantee that you will not get any answers. Uh -huh. uh, so we couldn't hope to get the knowledge uh, and the skills handled to us on a plate. Mm -hmm. But everybody was as hopeless as us. So when we had the challenges, we were jumping on them without the knowledge, without the, the, the training, without the skills. And we were learning on the job 
giving the results to the company or to the, to the customers that maybe we're not super professional, but we're still better than anything else they could, they could get. No. And in the current, in the current world, uh, as, my, as my friend told me then, when, when he's trying to send somebody to such a challenging task, sometimes, or man, in many cases, he gets the answer, but I haven't been trained. So my you know, advice to the, to, the, to, to the young people would be that you will never be trained enough, prepared enough uh, to, to the world. Mm -hmm. Or if you think so, then you will join the rank of the average. Of everybody, yeah. So just jump on the opportunities. Try to do things that are harder than you think you are capable of especially when you are young, mm -hmm. you have all of the time <clears throat> in the world to practice, to make your first mistakes, to, to make fool of yourself, because the consequences are very little. Yeah. Tomorrow is another day, you start from scratch. Yeah. Just go and do it. So work hard, be passionate about what you do yes. and grasp any opportunity that, that comes along. Yes. Okay, great. With that, Christoph, I would like to thank you for your time and for sharing all your experience and, and, and your views and, and, and uh, how you have organized your team and what you've been doing, the programs that you've um, been running. So thank you so much for that. Thank you.